Football Factory and the Dynasty Football Network. That's Travis Beard. That's James the Brain. I'm John Hogan. This is Super Flexible. And we are still on the quarterbacks, still wrapping up the 2017 season. We're going to finish off where we left off last episode and talk some more about the top 12 quarterbacks, how they finished this year, how do we think they're going to finish next year, and what should Dynasty owners be doing with these guys. Travis, where are we at? All right, so we just wrapped up QB5 on the last episode with Carson Wentz. We are on to Kirk Cousins. This, I think, uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and go to, to James here because I think he's got some pretty strong feelings on Kirk Cousins. Tell me what you got, James. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I buy into Kirk Cousins big time as a fantasy asset. I think uh, when this guy's gotten an opportunity, he has risen to the occasion. I think uh, this past year, he dealt with a lot. Um, you know, they had a new offense. Uh, they were running. They brought in guys like Terrell Pryor, who didn't live up to expectation. Uh, Jordan Reed was injured even more often than he normally is. Um, you know, just looking at what he had to work with with that supporting cast, no running game, you know, really uh, at all, uh, apart from a few games from Samaji P. Ryan. And then he found a good target out of the backfield in Chris Thompson, who gets hurt. So you really look at everything that he had to deal with there. Josh Doxson not really living up to that ceiling quite yet. Uh, definitely a red zone guy, but not a guy who really has broken out yet. I mean, he, he's had to work with a, a lot less, in my opinion, going into the year. And look at where he is as a fantasy asset. What is he? he he's right here. He's number six. So um, I definitely think that, uh, that Kirk Cousins is a guy who, if he finds himself in the right situation, uh, can be a, a, you know, a number one uh, you know, fantasy quarterback that uh, that I'd feel good rolling out most weeks. So um, I think he's he's definitely something to monitor. You know, does he go back to Washington? If not, where does he go? What's the situation he winds up in? That sort of thing. But uh, but I definitely think that's the type of guy that I would take a chance on. I think it's a high ceiling guy um, that uh, in the in the right situation with the right coaching staff and supporting cast can really put up some good numbers. What do you guys think? So for me, I think the the big issue is that we should probably talk about or what are some potential landing spots for Kirk Cousins because the problem is I mean he's going to be he he's going to make in all honesty more money than he's worth and that's fine that's the market for an NFL quarterback especially one that's you know borderline elite like Kirk Cousins is but to, in order to Whoa. have the cap <laughs> in order to have the the cap space to to sign Kirk Cousins to the the contract that it's going to take and make him the highest paid quarterback in the NFL in order to have that cap space it means you're suffering at some other positions so you know there's there's the potential that he goes to Denver without an offensive line or Arizona without any wide receivers <laughs> I'm looking wait, right wait, 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 wait. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're probably right. I was just trying to convince you that Fitz is coming back so you'd trade me for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. He's probably gone. You're probably right. And John Brown is a free agent as well. So, you know, you're looking at... That dude needs to go. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, like, J.J. Nelson... Chad Williams, baby. Chad Williams. (laughs) The Chad Williams era is coming. 
<laughs> it's a so, nightmare. Don't even get me started. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, you can, you're going to pay him a lot of money to dump it off to David Johnson, I guess. Oh, yeah, work. man. Well, let me ask you guys a question. What if Kirk Cousins ends up in New York Ugh. as a giant? And the reason why I ask is because, A, you take away a huge part of the Washington Redskins, a division rival. B, you go to a New York team that, as far as fantasy assets go, with Odell Beckham, Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, Brandon Marshall coming back, I mean, there are weapons there. And if they spend draft capital on that offensive line, is there a way that Kirk Cousins puts up some really good numbers? Is, is he is he appeasing at all to you if he ends up Man, in New York a as a giant? One. That would be um, interesting. I, I think the, the the huge if there is if they spend some capital on the on the offensive line, and uh, it could be appealing. I mean, mm-hmm. they've got they're going to have a new coach. And a new quarterback. I mean, that would be interesting for sure. Um, I don't know. I guess mm-hmm. big picture wise, I don't know if John. I don't know if you finished your your take on Cousins. I think that I'm bought in for the most part. In that, I think. I, I think honestly, if if it goes the way I think, which is that you know he. Right now, I think his value is depressed because he's a free agent and people are scared that he'll go to a worse situation than he was already in. Um, I, I guess I fall in the camp of how much worse could it get from this, from this last year and with him finishing QB6 in the situation that he was in. Mm-hmm. I think I'm okay with, with investing in, in that asset. Um I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. So I don't know, John. Sorry if I cut you off. I don't know if no, where, where no, you're at. No, yeah, no, I finished my thought, to be honest. Okay. Um, because, yeah, to me, that's the whole thing just – it just hinges on – you know, the talent is there. The It's just the whole thing hinges on where does he end up and who do you put around him. So that's that's the question for me, and that's why I'm having kind of a hard time – ranking him because that's that's a pretty big question you know that's that's pretty important again he could end up in denver where you know you've got to let emmanuel sanders go you've got to restructure demarius thomas just to make cap space and you have to continue to ignore the offensive line he could go to arizona and who's he gonna throw to you know there there are several scenarios please please come to arizona yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> as you know, you can definitely build around him if if you've got that quarterback. You're off to a great start. But you know, from the from the quarterback's perspective, I don't know how much I'm going to trust him if he's going to go take a mega contract from a team that's, for all intents and purposes, rebuilding. Yeah, and it, we talked a little bit off air about cousins and just the fact that he he is enough above average even if you don't think he's elite which is why i said Woo, when you said he, you think he's elite <laughs> i don't i don't know that he's elite but he's enough above average where he can be he he can at least get franchise quarterback money and and have that shot at at becoming that for a team 
for five five six years you know yeah um which for me is enough to kind of buy in as a dynasty asset if you can get him at a, at a fair value you know if if the one guy that has him thinks he's elite <laughs> i'm not gonna pay for that but i think the market right now for the most part is in that in that camp of you know he's he he should be i think under undervalued because of just the question marks that that are surrounding him right now he could potentially wind up in a bad situation uh, so i think you should be able to buy him for for f- a reasonable price right now uh, and and I think that he will uh, outproduce that going forward. All right, I guess you guys don't hate that. Uh, no, that's fine. <laughs> that works. So QB seven this year was Matthew Stafford. Um, I so real quick, I've just got he he had nine games outside of the top twelve, and only three inside of the top six QBs this year yet finished as the QB7. So what are you guys thinking about Matthew Stafford moving forward for Dynasty owners? Well, I, Matthew Stafford scares me a little bit. Now, I think it's his whole situation. First off, uh, I, I think you kind of highlighted his inconsistent season that he just had. Second of all, um, you know, obviously a coaching change is coming there. Um, you know, he and uh, Marvin Jones have both uh, kind of gone – uh, gone to bat for um, Jim Bob Cooter coming back, but you know you really, you really hamper your coaching search if you're going to say, hey, this you're gonna gonna be your offensive coordinator, you know, and then you're gonna go out and try and hire a head coach that can't bring in his own guy. So I don't know that that happens, and so I'm really concerned on if Stafford has to learn a new system. How effective is it? You know, are they bringing in an offensive minded guy? Or are they gonna try to fix that defense? What happens in Detroit? Um, I'm more concerned over Matthew Stafford's kind of situation than I am with Kirk Cousins, honestly. Um, So uh, to me, I'm staying away from Stafford until I get a little bit more clarity on the situation, only because I don't see the ceiling being as high as I think it is with Cousins anyhow. Um, So yeah, I I definitely have some questions with Stafford moving forward here. What do you think, John? You uh, you have any of those same questions? I don't know. I I think that uh, Matthew Stafford has a higher floor than Kirk Cousins. I feel a little bit more safe with Matthew Stafford as a dynasty asset. And that's be that's because I mean he does have the draft pedigree. Um he he does have you know, he's got a known quantity when it comes to his receiving core. And you know, I and I do think that a new a change in philosophy and a better more effective approach to the running game is only going to help Matthew Stafford so and then you know they've got they've got Taylor Decker coming back so you know this is a this is an offensive line that is only going to get better Um, the entire offense you know without spending a whole lot of of capital to do it this offense is going to improve even further you know, Kenny Galladay is is gonna emerge, and Marvin Jones has a full year now in the system. So, I I like where Matthew Stafford's at. I don't think that he has a ceiling of some of these guys, including, you know, possibly Kirk Cousins, and definitely 
when you're talking about guys like Dak Prescott, Jared Goff, and Deshaun Watson. But I I think that he's a very safe asset in Superflex Dynasty. He's the type of guy that you can plug in there. And, you know, I, I think that you're going to get, you know, probably a lot of low-end quarterback one production from him. And I think that that's probably fine. I think that's about what you're expecting when you draft him, where you draft him. Yeah, I, I think I, one, of, one of the things, too, that I, I didn't mention that I want to mention right quick, uh, the concerns that I have with Matthew Stafford is I, he's got six games against a division that I think in, defensively is just going to get better. You have Minnesota, who defensively already is, is a top-notch defense. Chicago's defense is, uh, I mean, if you look at their total scoring defense, it's not as bad as you would think. It's a defense, I think, that's only going to get better, too. They have a lot of young pieces on there. And then in Green Bay, they just got rid of Don Capers after a while. Um, I think that system needs an upgrade, needed an overhaul. They definitely have talent, especially on that back end. They just didn't play like it. So I think that could be a little bit of a of a thing, too, is, you know, how are they going to match up in division? That's six games that Stafford has to play against some of the some of the decent de- decent defenses that uh, I I'm a little worried about too but um but yeah just moving forward I guess I- I'm more in a wait and see approach to kind of see what happens there and who they bring in uh so QB QB8 <laughs> Philip Rivers so this one's pretty interesting um he is obviously a veteran uh we kind of think we know what we have with this guy but yet he here he is QB8 um, he only finished outside of the top 12 five times this year, uh, but he only finished inside of the top six if QB finishes twice. Uh, he had 11 finishes out of 16 inside the top 12. So to me, that kind of screams super consistent, hopefully QB2 on your on your super flex team. If you have if you had Philip Rivers as your QB2 this year, you were sitting pretty. Um, what are you guys thinking long term for Philip Rivers? It, it's so hard not to to like Philip Rivers when you look at you know I mean that standard deviation is is right. I, I mean he obviously doesn't deviate too much from you know what his average is when you see you know that he's you know a top eleven quarterback for what was it eleven eleven weeks this year. I mean that's that's insane. But just looking you know looking forward you know I mean. Antonio Gates is probably on the outs, um, but uh, Hunter Henry, uh, bright young tight end, is still going to be there. Keenan Allen played all 16 games. That's encouraging. Tyrell Williams is still there and had some big moments. And they they drafted a receiver last year with Mike Williams, and if he can get on the field, stay healthy, and actually contribute too, I mean, think about what Phillip Rivers can have around him uh, with Melvin Gordon and a good running game as well as uh, some good pass-catching backs out of the backfield there. Austin Eckler even contributed. I mean that offense is it's pretty high powered. So even though Philip Rivers is up there in age, I really feel like, and and maybe I'm wrong on this. You know, I I'd have to look it up, but I think over the past few years, Philip Rivers just starts slow. Pretty sure traditionally, over the past few years, Philip Rivers has just started slow and really come on late. And uh, and I think if if that's the case, then I'm probably you know hoping to to maybe weather the storm early and really catch fire late with Philip Rivers. So either way, I think his supporting cast is good. Nothing looks like it's changing there in LA uh for him and so I would uh I'd be encouraged to uh 
to have Philip Rivers as part of my uh, my my team. And I think you're right, Travis. Ideally, you want him as a quarterback too. If you have him as a QB one and a super flex, um, you really have to have to get someone who's very close to him in fantasy points. So that way you're getting two two you know two guys that are putting up close to the same numbers, and you're not relying too heavily on Philip Rivers to put up those big numbers. Yeah, and I, I um, also think that's that my thoughts. What do you think, John? So I mean, we already talked about Tom Brady. Throw him into this same category, but the hint, the these next couple of guys as well. So Philip Rivers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger. These are all guys who. You know they're they're going to give you as long as they keep playing they're going to give you you know fairly consistent um, they're going to give you a high floor more than likely and uh, with with a pretty high ceiling as well um, but what you don't know is how long that's going to last so for me the the, the opportunity that Philip Rivers presents is the opportunity to go get a young guy, a Mitchell Trubisky or, you know, one of these, one of these quarterbacks who's going to come out in this draft class. I mean, probably not necessarily Josh Rosen, but you know, some of the, some of the slightly lesser guys that are going to take a little longer to develop, you know, Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield um, would be, would be great candidates. But grab one of those guys and let them incubate on your bench while Philip Rivers finishes out this career and gives you, you know, safe numbers on a weekly basis. And then you've got your contingency plan in place. So I think that's kind of that's kind of the the angle with Philip Rivers is he he's safe for you, but he also, you know, for a fact that now is the time to start planning for the future. And, you know, we, we don't necessarily always get that with quarterbacks. So the fact that we see this coming, we know that this is, you know, this could be a, a very short-term proposition with Phillip Rivers means we have an opportunity here to be proactive at our quarterback position. Yeah, I think I agree. I, I agree for the most part. Um, he, he's 35, so you mm-hmm. could potentially have three, four years uh, with Philip Rivers. And as far as uh, to speak to what you were talking about, James, he he started the year off uh, five out of the first six weeks. He finished in the top 12, but he didn't have a finish above QB8. Uh, then he had kind of a lull, 16-20-16. And then that you know, week 11 on basically is, is kind of when he caught fire he had 12 QB 2 11 8 he had one bad week in the playoffs and then he had QB 9 QB 1 so kind of not really a huge trend there as far as starting slow he's kind of like I said earlier I guess he was pretty consistent for the whole year he had kind of a lull in the in the middle there but um you know he really like Towards the end there, this team really kind of took fire, um, and I was really impressed with with the way he was playing. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess in, in a in a more macro sense here, just kind of agree with what you are saying, what you guys were saying, in that he's really he's a really good QB two to have on a super flex team, and if you've got him. 
I think you kind of just keep them and just keep playing them as your QB two, and maybe develop some younger guys like like John was saying. Um, so let's move on to to Drew Brees, QB nine this year. Uh, he's thirty nine years old, so he's even more so on the on the tail end here. Um, he only had four finishes inside the tw- inside the top twelve this year. I I think, and I think the the consensus for Drew Brees this year is that he was super disappointing. Um, I don't know how disappointing you can be as the QB nine, but only four finishes in this inside the top twelve. Like I said, um, at the same time, he didn't have a single finish outside of the top twenty four quarterbacks in 2017 so what do you what are you guys' thoughts on uh drew Brees? yeah it's interesting you know i've been a drew Brees fan for a long time uh it's, it's hard not to root for that guy um however that being said i think now is the optimal time to sell drew Brees. um i think a like you mentioned he's, he's 39 he's getting up there in age B, he still has some name value, and he didn't have a terrible season. It wasn't up to his standards great, but it was okay. It was good enough to where I think you can still get some good value for him. The Saints are a good team. Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram are a big reason why, and they could add a couple years to his career, you know, not having to drop back as often, but how does that help you in fantasy? I don't know that it does. Um, also, you know, at, at times when it looked like, you know, the Saints were forced to pass, it looked like they had Michael Thomas and, you know, in the early part of the year, Ted Ginn. But after that, I mean, it, it was rough going. It was Michael Thomas and I, I, there wasn't much else, you know. So I, I definitely feel like those running backs and Michael Thomas were the only weapons they kind of had. And I, I think you could still get some good value for Drew Brees just based off of, like I said, name recognition and the fact he didn't have a terrible year. I think I am actively shopping Drew Brees if I own him in a super flex league, see what I can get for him, maybe turn him into a couple younger assets. I like that move. I like that because the other thing to keep in mind here is Drew Brees is about to hit the market as a free agent, and we have no idea where he's going to end up. We don't know that that's going to be a good situation mm-hmm. either. So this, well, you know, obviously his his value is depressed right now. This is probably the last time he's going to really hold any value at all. You know, after this off season, I think whoever has Drew Brees is just kind of stuck with him. So, yeah, now's the time to move, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's obvious he's on the tail end of his career, but he's still got that name cachet. So if if you can move on and, and maybe get another you know younger QB piece plus you know like a Mitch Trubisky plus I mean I, I think honestly you could get like a Trubisky plus a top 12 receiver or something you know for for Drew Brees so I think I think that's definitely the move to make um he could be done as early as next year honestly I mean if we're being honest he could not come back you know it's not likely, but I mean, we're talking one, two, maybe three years, and and if they're shifting offensive philosophies like they've shown this year with the running game, and he's going to produce kind of the way he did this year, and and only give you four finishes inside the top twelve, he's he doesn't you know he's not that high upside guy anymore, 
as sad as that is to say. So, I mean, as a dynasty prospect, I think I think I totally agree with you guys that you know this might be the time to move on. Cool. So uh, Ben Roethlisberger is next at uh, QB twelve, and I have in my notes here that he pretty much sucked for the first half of the year. Um, and he but, looked old. Yeah. He, like it wasn't just that he was playing bad because he ran into some bad matchups, which he did. I mean, he started off with a brutal schedule, but he looked terrible. Yeah, and and he had he, he did have some rough matchups, but even against I mean, he had some good matchups, Cleveland, um Kansas City, Detroit, he was outside the top 12 in all three of those matchups. Mm-hmm. But after his week nine bye, his worst finish was QB 13. And that was in week 15 in the playoffs. He was QB 13, but he had week 10 on. He had he was he finished QB 10, QB 2, QB 1, QB 10, QB 1, QB 13, QB 8 in your championship game. So he was on fire you know, the last six, seven weeks of the year kind of raises his stock a little bit, I suppose. I was really, really off of Roethlisberger coming into this year just with him being such a freaking drama queen and talking about retirement every year. And, and I just don't – I don't know if he's going to come back. I don't know. You know, he could be gone. He could be not in the NFL in 2018. Um I, I I am firmly in the get rid of him camp. What what do you guys think? Yep, absolutely. I sold him in a super flex league for an early third round pick. And I feel like I did pretty well it at that. Um I mean Dang. you might be you might be able to get a second rounder for him, but That's I, tops I wouldn't, though, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't buy You're him. You're not for getting that. more than that. Yeah. So, you know, the fact that I that I got a uh, a draft pick out of it that I can actually, you know, potentially turn into a rookie quarterback, I, I feel like that's the best you can do. And uh, for that reason, I think that you that you do it while you can, you know. Yeah, I, I you know, I going in coming into the year, I kind of felt that way. And then even during his slump, I felt like you know, this is a guy on his way out and, you know, something tells me that he's back, but I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not keeping him based on a gut feeling. So, um, I just feel like it seems like he's having a little bit more fun playing. I think Juju Schuster has really energized that team. He's brought a little bit of youth and fun to that team that was missing. Um, but I, I think a lot changes in Pittsburgh. I mean, Le'Veon Bell is a pending free agent. I don't think Pittsburgh's going to pay him near the money that the open market is going to give him. So I think he walks, you know, how effective is Big Ben when he's got, you know, James Conner to hand the ball off to and not, not Le'Veon Bell, you know, and Conner could be fine, but, but to expect that he's going to be Le'Veon Bell, especially catching the ball out of the backfield with blitz pickup, that sort of thing. I, that's, I, I, you know, that's how, that's a, those are huge shoes to fill. Uh, and, and I don't know that he does it. So, um, you know, looking at the pieces moving forward when you're looking at Pittsburgh, I don't know what's going on with Martavius Bryant. If he's back, um, yeah, you have two good good to elite receivers with Antonio Brown and Juju Schuster. I'm very high on. Um, but outside of that, I think Pittsburgh loses a little bit. I don't know if Big Ben wants to come back to that. So, yeah, I think uh, I think I'm selling if I can. 
But here's the thing. I, I don't know what you're getting for Big Ben. I think you're right, John. If you can get a third-round rookie pick, you're okay there. I, I think I would take that. But I don't know that a lot of people, knowing the situation going on in Pittsburgh, are going to do that. He definitely still has some re- name recognition. But the, the retirement talks last year, I think a lot of people heard loud and clear. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I think if I can get something worth a decent value for Big Ben, then I'm definitely trading him. Um, if I can't, then, you know what? I'd probably I'd, I'd probably hold him. I think the difference between Big Ben and Breeze right now is I I'm very confident I can get something for Breeze that I'd be happy with. Whereas with Roethlisberger, I'm not so confident. Um, but if I could get you know kind of anything uh, like you said, John, a third round pick or better, um, I, I'm taking it. Or even a young asset that you know moving forward I think could could turn into something. I'm taking that too. The other thing to keep in mind with Ben is, I know, Travis, I know you hate this kind of analysis, but the home road splits, man, it's horrible. It is really ugly. And so (laughs) Ben Roethlisberger is a part-time player. You get him for about, for roughly half the season, maybe a little more. From time to time, he does okay on the road, but for the most part, it bears out. And you you have to plan for that with him. And uh, that makes it, that just depresses his value that much more. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, uh. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, man. I'll, I'll let just that one go. Holding I up don't, a mirror to Mainly because I can't, yeah, I can't pull it up right now to see, to see the correlation this year. Mm. But he had, I mean, I can tell you the weeks he finished top 12 and the weeks he didn't. I'd be super interested to see. I don't have it in front of me. It doesn't tell me on the site that I'm on, but I'd be super interested interested to see if it, how many of those weeks correlate with home and away games. Because yeah. he had, I mean, after his week nine bye, one, two, three, four, five, six out of seven games were in the top 12. I'm, I guarantee you all seven of those were not at home. Um, uh they, they, he didn't have seven home games in a row. Don't get crazy, John. Come on. He, he had a lot of them. He had a lot of home games. He was. Uh, now you want to make me. You want to make me go find it. <laughs> kind of do. I, I, <laughs> I actually, I actually have Pittsburgh's schedule up. So if you want to tell oh, me what weeks it was, right. I'll, I'll week yeah. two. Week two, he played at home against the Vikings. All right, week ten. Week ten was on the road uh, in uh, Indy. Okay, so all of these weeks I'm telling you were were top twelve weeks. The weeks I'm skipping were outside of the top twelve. Okay, okay. So we got one road game so far yeah. inside the top twelve. Week eleven. Week eleven, he was at home against Tennessee. Week twelve. At home against Green Bay. All right. <laughs> Week 13. Uh, on the road in Cincinnati. Week 14. At home against uh, against Baltimore. Baltimore. What was that, 14? That was 14, yep. Six, week 16. On the road in Houston. Which... All right, so what are we at with those? One, three. Two, we three, we four, got three. Five, six, seven. Three out, of, three out of seven top 12 games were on the road. We're on the road. Yeah, so yeah, that's, that's not pretty... terrible. Getting some pretty bad defenses, but yeah, I'll give you that. 
Okay, so let's go. I, I'm I'm curious. So let's just do the whole thing yeah. here. We week, yeah. week one. Uh, he was on the road in Cleveland. All right, that was QB fifteen. Week three. Uh, on the road in Chicago. That was horrible. QB twenty five. Week four. Uh, on the road in Baltimore. All right, you're killing me, dude. Week that was QB <laughs> QB twenty one. Uh, week five, at home. He was. At home against Jacksonville. Jacksonville, though. You could give that argument. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, week six. Uh, on the road in Kansas City. QB 20. Week seven. Uh, at home against Cincinnati. QB 14. Week eight. On the road in Detroit. QB 13. Uh, week 15. He was at home hosting New England. QB 13. Well, and, you know, if you ask Pittsburgh fans, he should have had an extra touchdown, but we won't go there. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I, I don't know. It's it, it definitely seems to lean towards home games being better, but it's not a guarantee. I mean, you if you benched him on the road and started him at home, you did not benefit from that strategy every week. I guess that's my point. Like it's not it's not predictive. <laughs> uh, it's not. I mean, I don't uh, know. I, yeah, I, I would I would say probably what 60% of the time that 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 strategy works out based on what we just went through right now. Yeah, this this season. Sure, but I, mean, I mean this is this is his career. I I, I, I would under- also say that that three out of seven, like you said, John. When I when I went back and looked, I mean against Houston, he was in Houston and he put up those numbers. I, mean, I know what Blaine Gabbert did in Houston, so I know that those numbers <laughs> yeah, can, do. Be, can be put up, right? <laughs> so so I yeah, the Colts, it's Cincinnati, like those are the three games. I guess my thing is is if he doesn't have an insanely good matchup at home, you could have benched him and it probably would have worked out really well. You mean on the road. Yeah. On the road. Right. You're right. Yeah, on right. the road. Yeah, and the, I mean there were other factors. The you know, the New England game that you know, it was uh that was just kind of a down week for quarterbacks in general. The Detroit game, I mean, it, what was a 97-yard touchdown to Juju? That and Juju did that whole thing. Like you know, you take out that play where you know a, an explosive playmaker got him almost a hundred yards and a touchdown. You take that out, and man, what's his productivity like that day? It that was a bad game for the. For the Steelers in a beatable matchup. Yeah, I I don't know. If we're taking out plays, I just want two more championships, though. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that. Thank you, take you away James. The, the, yes, I love it. <laughs> I'm not All saying right. you take away that play, but I mean that was it was a short slant, a quick slant to a fast receiver who took it the distance. Yeah, yeah, it was. All right, so we're so se- it, we're it had so, very little to do with Ben. So we're selling Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, yes. If please. we if we can, right? Yes, James. <laughs> oh yeah. All right, QB eleven, Dak Prescott. This is uh, becoming a quite polarizing prospect here, and I guess not prospect, uh, uh, an NFL player at this point. 
Um, he had eight finishes inside the top 12 this year, but he had eight finishes outside the top 15, uh, with six of those being outside the top 22 quarterbacks. So six games, he absolutely killed you uh, in your matchup. And several of those directly uh, coincided with Zeke's suspension. So does that worry you guys moving forward? Uh, and, and what are your what, what's your long-term outlook here on Dak after this disappointing year and and maybe even some correlation with with Zeke being out and, and the offensive line not uh, playing up to, the standard that it did last year man i i am buying dak prescott's talent 100 percent. i am buying dak prescott's talent however i think i am not worried about the zeke split whatsoever i mean i'm just not i i that whether he performed when when zeke was out or not i think had very little to do with zeke being in the lineup i do believe however the supporting cast for dallas i mean it needs a major upgrade Des Bryant is no longer a wide receiver one. He just doesn't have the speed. He can't separate. He's a guy that you can throw a jump ball to every now and then. Uh, Terrence Williams is nothing more than a guy. Cole Beasley and Ryan Switzer are the same guy. You have an aging Jason Witten. I mean, there is really nothing for him to work with here. There's no guy that you say, this guy's going to get separation every play. This guy can win with route running. This guy can win with speed. I, I don't see it. I don't see it on that roster. And to me, it's a major concern moving forward. I think Dallas somehow needs to address the talent at those positions. As far as the offensive line goes, I think a lot of that is in correlation to, hey, I can't have a, I, I don't have a guy that can win on a quick slant. I don't have a guy who can win over the middle, who, who's going to get open and you know has that quick burst, has that suddenness to get open right away. Um, and I think that really hurts his team. So uh, I, I, like I said, as far as talent goes, I am buying Dak Prescott. As far as his situation goes, I'm not, um, and I'm definitely moving him down my rankings because of it. What do you think, John? How you? Uh, how do you feel on uh, on Dak Prescott? I think I'm. I must be kind of the opposite. I uh, I definitely am nervous about the Ezekiel Elliott thing because you know I mean it's well documented. I don't particularly trust running backs to stay upright and to you know to continue to be effective. And Ezekiel Elliott, when he's not suspended, is getting a ton of touches and is taking a ton of damage. So I, I'm i nervous about, you know, Dak Prescott with Ezekiel Elliott out of the lineup uh, because of, you know, the injury risk that already exists, it exists for Zeke. And then, you know, there's also the possibility that there's another suspension at any point, you know, mm-hmm. and it would be a long one this next yes, one. Yes, so, it would. Mm-hmm. So that part makes me nervous. As far as as far as Dak, you know, independent of Ezekiel Elliott, I'm not worried at all. I think that we saw the talent last year. I think that, um, you know, there were some injuries on the offensive line. They and the big thing for the Cowboys is they have ignored the the wide receiver position for way too long now, and I think that it's finally caught up to them, and I think that they realize it. I think that you're going to see multiple uh, free agent wide receivers join the Dallas Cowboys this off season, 
And so, I mean, you know, it's still hypothetical at this point. Um, So I'm not necessarily going to to move Dak back up to where I think he belongs in my rankings until that receiving core is in place. But the second that that it's in place, he's shooting right back up into the the probably around the six or seven range for me in dynasty i think that's fair what, what do you think travis where are you on uh, on dak prescott in this whole thing so i've still got dak at qb6 um he he did move down one spot for me and and i think i'm for the most part i'm bought in on his talent but it it really it's hard to not let this year concern you um you know he didn't he had he had an ideal situation last year his rookie year everything was set up for him to succeed and he succeeded and and that's what you expect but this year was a little bit different and and he struggled a little bit and so is he really as good as we thought he was i don't know maybe not you know um I still think, I mean, I still got him at QB six, so I think he's one of the best six quarterbacks for dynasty owners to own. But I, I'm not gonna lie, I am a little bit concerned. Last one for today, uh, we'll finish with the QB twelve from this year, Jared Goff. Um, real quick, all I've got is he had three finishes inside the top six quarterbacks. He had three more inside the top twelve. Uh, for six total inside the top 12, but the the other nine, or he had nine outside of the top 12 quarterback finishes. What are you guys thinking on Jared Goff? Everything about this is really surprising to me. It's surprising to me that he only had that many, you know, QB1 finishes. It's surprising to me that he finished his QB12. I would have guessed much higher. I don't know about you, James, but... This is the number one offense in the NFL this year, the most points scored in the NFL, and their quarterback in a Um, Todd Gurley. Um. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) in in a year where you know quarterbacks are injured and otherwise ineffective, he can only manage quarterback twelve. That's that's it's really just kind of shocking to me. Um, I, I don't know what I necessarily think as far as an outlook. I mean, we, we didn't expect this from him going into the season. So I, I don't think that this is any reason to, to think that, you know, he's, we can't call him an underperformer. Certainly he still outperformed what we thought he would do. Um, but it's just, uh, it is a little amazing to me to find out that, this is this is the best that the quarterback of the top offense in the league could finish. Yeah, I, I guess I guess I'm kind of there with you a little bit. I'm a little shocked that he isn't a little bit higher on the list, but um, I think Travis nailed it. I mean, Todd Gurley. I mean, was it 2,100 yards total and 19 touchdowns? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's insane when you you know when your running back has that kind of production, and they were so good at running it in the red zone. I think that took away from a lot of Derek Goff's scoring opportunities, but um, I have, and and I've I've made no bones about it. I have uh, a 
pretty big man crush on Jared Goff as far as a fantasy football player goes. Um, I think the, the, the arrow's pointing up for him this, this first year in Sean McVay's offense. Um, I think he only gets better from here on out. Um, he's, he's a young quarterback. He's definitely someone who you can build around for, for the future. Um, as long as, you know, he continues growing and I think he will, I, I really do. So, um, I, I don't see any reason why Jared Goff won't. I do know Sammy Watkins is a pending free agent, but when you really look at that offense, they've utilized a lot of different weapons on that offense from Robert Woods to Cooper Cup, uh, Gerald Everett, um, Tyler Higby. I mean, anybody that's been available, Todd Gurley out of the backfield, uh, and so I expect that they'll continue to be able to do that. I do think that they will need to replace uh, the, the speed that Sammy Watkins gives, and that's not going to be easy. They're going to have to find someone that can stretch the field a little bit um, to keep defenders honest, and uh, and so I think that will be a priority for them, for the Rams moving forward, and that will affect Goff uh, tremendously as long as they can get that guy. But moving forward, I definitely uh, think Goff is a uh, a big-time asset, and he's only going to be moving up right now. He's probably between 5 and 7 in my rankings, probably 6 or 7. Um, but uh, he, he, the arrow is pointing up for me with Jared Goff just because I definitely feel in that offense with that system, with everything that he has in place, um, and that solid running game, I, I think Jared Goff is, is definitely a buy candidate right now. If, if I have him, I'm holding him, that's for sure. Yeah, I've got to make so I've got to make QB nine. Um, I th- my my kind of take on Goff is I think he has shown enough to where he is going to be an NFL starter for eight to ten years. I think though that he he's going to kind of be one of those high floor low ceiling kind of guys. I don't think that he is going to be an elite NFL quarterback. Um so kind of, you know, in Superflex, I think he's going to be a perfect QB2 for his career and, and that's great. I just I don't think I don't ever see him finishing as, you know, a top 5 option. So that's kind of where I'm at. John's coming mm. up with his Jared Goff take right now. yeah this is total stream of consciousness right now because like i said i mean i wasn't even prepared for the possibility that he was going to be that he was going to finish outside the top like eight for for uh for fantasy in 2017 i think a lot of i think that's common i think a lot of people thought he had a much better year than he did yeah and i think it's just because the drastic difference from last year versus you know we watch him this year and oh holy crap he's good right like everyone's like oh my gosh he's having this great season but didn't he didn't really have that great of a season yeah yeah i mean and and i do think that there's an opportunity i think that there's a lot that can still be done for that offense to make it more dynamic I mean, for one thing, you you, you kind of have to. I mean, you know, say what you want about about Todd Gurley. The reality is, you don't want you you don't want that guy touching the ball that much every single year. You know, that's that's just it. you're just gonna wear him down prematurely. You have to be able to lean a little bit more on the passing game, 
And, and I think that they know that, and I think that they're going to work towards that. I think that Todd Gurley was kind of the perfect bridge, you know, through uh, Sean McVay's first season as a head coach and with a roster that, you know, wasn't, wasn't really built by him. Um, it was still basically a Jeff Fisher team for the most part, other than Sammy Watkins and Robert Woods. So, I mean, I think that as this as this roster starts to develop more under the image that Sean McVay has for it, I think that there's still an opportunity for, for Jared Goff to continue to progress. And uh, I think that there's a regression for both the running game and the passing game coming. So I, 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 right now I've got Jared Goff ranked in my top 10. I think that he's probably going to move up from there, but right at the moment, I, I have a hard time putting him ahead of some of the guys who were a little bit more established and who accomplished more with less, if that makes sense. So that's it for our, for the top 12 quarterbacks in 2017 do you guys either you have uh, any final parting thoughts for us before we wrap it up for the week no just looking forward to next week we can go through uh, qb 13 through 24 yeah that'll be fun and then uh, eventually move on to running backs i think there's a ram running back that we'll probably be talking about a little bit huh <laughs> <laughs> you mean oh, the, yeah. you mean the rb1 yeah so something like that yeah <laughs> Okay, well, on that note, uh, I, one parting thought from me. It is really good to have James back um, joining us on the airwaves here. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we missed having your, uh, your input and your insight, and uh, just really glad to have you back. Looking forward to uh, getting back in the swing of things with you going forward. So, But that's going to do it for, for us for this week. I'm going to ask you all to, uh, for a quick favor, to please rate and review the podcast um, wherever you're listening. Your ratings just, it helps us improve our content. It helps us improve our reach and allows us to involve more people in the conversation and touch on more topics that are meaningful to you, the listener. In that vein of listener interaction, send us your trades on Twitter. Our trades account is at SuperFlexTrades. We can retweet and share, getting you more votes and more comments and more advice from around the Dynasty universe. And we can even discuss those trades here on the SuperFlexible podcast, which we will very soon. We've got a ton of them to talk about, and it's coming. Follow the podcast itself at SuperFlexPod. Travis is at TravisNFL. James is at DFF underscore psychic, and I'm at DFF Dynasty Dude. The mothership, the Dynasty Football Factory, is at DFF underscore Dynasty. And the network of all the great DFF podcasts is at DF underscore Network. And that stable of podcasts includes the Dynasty Warzone. Now they're getting into off-season stuff as well, so we're going to be touching on a lot of the same topics and uh, the podcasts are going to supplement each other quite a bit, so I definitely suggest checking them out. The Fantasy Football Fellas, talking mostly redraft, and they're already getting into next year's sleepers. So some really good stuff. They're already getting into ADP, 
and uh, player values. So a lot of good stuff from the fellas. Check them out as well. The IDP Edge Crushers talking about Dynasty Leagues uh, with a focus on defense and and IDP players. The Devi Watch Podcast. Those guys right now are the center of attention because as the college season wraps up and these college players get ready to enter the NFL, they have been watching these kids from the time that they first stepped onto campus and they're ready to tell you which guys you want to avoid and which guys you need to buy now. And Capology 101 talking about the upcoming free agent class, um, contracts expiring in the NFL and who's likely to, to land where. Also very useful for this time of year. And the brand new Dynasty Trades HQ podcast talking about Dynasty Trades and uh, Twitter polls and um, write-in trades and just just talking about player values and how to move players from roster to roster. So much good stuff going on with the Dynasty Football Factory. Also check out our brand new website. That thing is killer. And as always, thank you to Travis. Thank you to James. Again, good to have you back, James. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the intro-outro music. And until next week, bye. Bye.